go ahead and get started. Um, I gave people a little extra time to get here, also because I was up all night Friday, and I think I've made this excuse a few times this summer, but I'm a little tired, so my kung fu may not be as good as later on. That's a quote from Kung Fu Panda, which is like super old pop culture now. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I say things that don't relate to anything. So, I think I get that from my dad. <laughs> um, yeah, so today, um, last, the last few weeks we've been talking more about like the research and statistics and kind of um, what that means about who Gen Z is and what they're like. Um, we're not going to talk so much about those kinds of things today. Um, and really, I don't have like lots and lots of scriptures. I told you guys a few weeks ago that this is going to be like the biblical perspectives on parenting. Um, but my, my sort of approach to everything is like if it can be more simple, it should be. Um, so if, if I'm trying to teach kids about Jesus and, and I'm making it really difficult or I have to use like 3,000 different verses to point out what Jesus is like, I should probably figure out how to make it more simple, more graspable. So um, that's kind of been like my approach um, to life <laughs> um, and like figuring out more efficient ways to do things, more um, direct ways to do things. Um, and I think that that works well also with um, this topic, with like the biblical approach to <coughs> parenting. And what, I'm, what we're not going to talk about is like discipline styles or like how you exactly parent in this situation, but more what we're talking about is like, how do you teach your kids about your faith? How do you like let your kids see what you have and why you, why you care about um, faith, why you go to church and that kind of stuff. So um, hopefully the simpler, the better. Um, yeah. So this was some of the stuff we looked at over the last three weeks. We didn't have class last week. Um, but just that first one over there is youth pastors' biggest struggles in ministry. Um, number one was parents not prioritizing their teens' spiritual growth. Um, and then over here we had topics parents feel unprepared to discuss with teens. Um, and actually the, the numbers aren't huge. None of the above is the biggest category, which is great. Um, we talked about a few of those, but um, I think <clears throat> sort of this stuff is, is both good that it's low but also still with it. I think um, sort of what we're going to hit on today is that maybe you don't have to be prepared to talk about everything. You can just talk about what you're thinking um, with your kids. Um, so anyways, moving on. So we're, we're talking about faith that lasts in kids and how we get that um, and how we instill that. Um, so a lot of the data that we've looked at points to a couple of um, – big changes. Um, so first, spiritual development is not the norm for teenagers in the United States. Like that's not a thing that matters to teenagers and it's not a thing that um, just happens anymore. Um, so let's see. It always changes the format of the notes on my phone from on my computer. So I was to look at it for a little bit. So anyways, um, but we, we talked about teenagers being focused on success, um, Gen Z in general, um, education and other things above spirituality. Um, and this 
This next number is a number that's been going on for a long time. Um, and even bleeds into millennials. Um, but about 50% of students walk away from their faith after high school. Um, and that's not like a thing I say to alarm people. That's just the number. That's what it is. Um, and yeah, so point two here. Um, teens need help to navigate and develop a strong faith that will matter into their adulthood. Um, and the same researchers who are, who are giving us that 50% number say that the 50% who stay have some things in common. Um, and so some of the, just to briefly hit on that without going into like a research class again, um, Fuller Youth Institute, um, which I think is cool as FYI because they give you info. Um, anyways, um, Fuller says teens need five adults minimum um, and one, and at least, and, and sorry, let me say this again. There was a comma in there. Fuller says teens need five adults who are invested in their lives um, in a spiritual way in order to develop a faith that lasts into adulthood. Um, they say the minimum requirement is one parent who is vulnerable and open about their faith with their kids consistently. Um, so those are some important things, right? Um so that sometimes those can shift around, right? Like if you have five adults but no parents, <laughs> that that can kind of like be the the difference there. Um, but yeah, it, one parent gives people a way better chance than no parents who are invested in their faith. Two parents, even better. It's like just yeah, it's all very logical. So just think logically, so that I don't have to explain it because <laughs> it's not going to happen today. <laughs> um, all right. Jumping into some scripture. Yeah, my iPad is way bigger, so I'm going to read it off the screen. Um, I've, I really just have two verses that I want us to kind of talk about today. And this is um, the verse that came up the most frequently in my youth ministry classes, which I didn't, I didn't take a full major of them, but this was the one. So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, so I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but here he says, impress them on your children. And then I think the next three sentences are, this is how you impress them on your children. So... Um, what do you guys think about this and as it relates to um, instilling faith in your kids? The word impress to me makes me think of like pushing, mashing on some clay or something like that. Um, you know, like a medieval kind of stamp or seal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just think a lot of times I notice a style of parenting that's, you know, drop the clay on the table and it is what it is. Um, but impressing is uncomfortable. It's, uh, it, there's pressure involved and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I think spirituality carries a lot of that with it. Um, you need somebody to do it and somebody who's 
know, somewhat receptive to uh, whatever you're trying to impress on them, but it's not a, it's not just a, it's not passive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chuck? You know, maybe this was just the case when we were raising our kids, but uh, um, at that time, it was hard to find quantity time, and so we looked, or at least the idea was, well, spend quality time with your kids. That's probably totally different these days mm-hmm. now, when you've got plenty of time to spend with your kids. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? What this is talking about is don't just talk with your kids about it when you sit down and decide that, hey, it's time to sit down. It's got to be an ongoing daily, hourly mm-hmm. opportunities in the evening as you're talking together and, and uh, putting them to bed or at the dinner table, um, on the drive to and from church, um, at meal times. Um, boy, it's not set times that we decide, okay, we can't have a devotional this week, so we aren't going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Not hardly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this isn't even saying right. It's not a devotional; it's a lifestyle, exactly. And I think what you said, yeah, we've we've seen like kids don't have anywhere near as much time as they do now. But also, to your point, like find the quality times. And also, from my perspective, sometimes it's probably okay for you to just say, <laughs> "Nope, you're not. Go- we're not going to this thing." You know, I think as parents, you should feel more empowered to say. Um, my kid, like, I need to spend time with my kid, so I'm not even going to take them to school today. We're going to go, or I'm, I'm not going to bring them to this practice this week, or we're going to miss this game because our family needs this. Um, again, I get, like, I have no idea what it's like to be in that position as a parent, um, but I think what I do understand is that sometimes you think certain, like, as humans, we think certain commitments are more necessary or permanent than they have to be. I mean, I think sometimes, like, people need permission to say, nope, I'm not going to do that. So, you have it from me, which doesn't really matter. Seth, sorry, Seth raised his hand a long time ago, and then he made a face at me. (laughs) Uh, I I do find it hard sometimes to impress how important God is in our lives, because the kids see so much struggle and failure and hurt and everything else, even by believers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, why, why are we going through this? You know, we go to church, we, you know, all this. And so sometimes that's hard to counteract because there's so much that distracts you from, from that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and then you have moments where it's like, okay, sometimes it makes an impression and I didn't realize it. Um, for instance, we were at a football practice this week. Mm-hmm. And Chris was getting mad because this kid was being like, you know, after the whistle kind of stuff and being rude and trash talking. And I was like, you just got to be you. Mm -hmm. And he goes out there and pushes the kid down, which was part of the game. It's football, right? But then he helps him up. Mm -hmm. And when the kid wasn't keeping up on the conditioning, he was the one that went back and got him and brought him into the group. Yeah. And, And even on Friday, he was like, man, I can't stand that kid. Yeah, <laughs> but you're still helping him, and you're being a good teammate, mm-hmm. and being a leader in that sense, and everything else. And it's like, I didn't really teach that. Yeah, I encouraged it. You know, mm-hmm. I encouraged, hey, you guys got to be the one that people see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about, they'll know we're Christians by our love, mm-hmm. 
that's not something you can teach, but that's something you can show. Yeah. And people need to see that. Uh, literally, they can see that you're different. And maybe sometimes at our houses, we aren't so different because um, things happen. And, you mm-hmm. know, but how you handle it, especially after the situation, maybe the situation didn't go so well, you know, it started screaming and I lost my cool. But how do you handle it? You know, an hour later, or the next day, or five minutes later, or whenever you know you're able to come back to the situation, maybe calm down. Or whatever, right. Is what can make the difference in in their future lives? Mm-hmm. They may react better because hey, they learned a good trait versus what we yeah. leave when we get mad. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yes, you. Um, so, I, I think like. Quality, quantity, time, like we are all just, like we all have no time. And so I think you have to make time with the time that you got. And mm-hmm. we're all driving our kids places yep. all the time. And so I have a playlist on my phone that's Keith Lancaster CDs, and my kids and I will sing to it. We're having conversations in your car after you come up from school, just saying, doesn't even have to be it doesn't have to be this perfect situation mm-hmm. where you're sitting down at a table and you're in that spiritual zone it can just be like so tell me about your day did you ever th- did you think about Jesus at all today or did you see Jesus at all today in your mm-hmm. interactions I mean just I, I, we're gonna have to be very deliberate and purposeful with our conversations in the limited time that we have because there are so many distractions mm-hmm. I mean and it, I mean it's gonna take Five adults, I'm looking around here thinking, okay, so who are Abigail's other four? I mean, like, seriously, it's going to take all of us banding together. Because we took a class once, and the teacher had to say all of our kids' names and wrote on the board and then said, okay, which 50%, half of these kids are going to walk away? Whose name yeah. should I erase? I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Whose names do we want to erase? Not my kids. Yeah. And that, that's going to take all of us banding together. Mm-hmm. To, to survive. Right. Yeah, and for all of the kids too. Yeah, Christy. I know you want to move on, so I'll try to be brief. But, you know, I heard a quote once um, from somebody at Mops, and they said, be very careful not to take on all of your kids, um, to be so proud of all their accomplishments, and not think of their uh, failures as yours either. Yeah. And right. I think we have to be really humble in approaching all of this. Um, and realize that you know our kids do have their own minds, and it is okay when they stumble yeah. and hard. Mm-hmm. But also, I agree that you know um, the. I'm kind of thankful that my daughter is slow to flight with some of you know, like with driving and things like that because I have to mm-hmm. drive her a lot of places. Mm-hmm. We have had some of the best conversations in the car, some of the deepest, hardest yeah. conversations you can possibly imagine mm-hmm. in the car. It's a really intimate setting mm-hmm. with just two of you. If that happens, and they can't walk away. Yeah, they're, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can't. They <laughs> <laughs> can't go slam a door. Yeah. And and honestly, it's it's. It's a very vulnerable time for our kids. And yeah. I'm just thankful for the times that we have, whatever they are. For us, that happens to be the car often. But I'm very grateful for those times. For, that's the same for me. Like, mm-hmm. 
for me, even when I take kids out to coffee, when they're like, hey, I have something I need to talk with you about. I'm mm-hmm. like, awesome. We go get coffee and we talk about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the five minutes before we get back to their house that they're yeah. like, blah. Well, <laughs> so. Because they're not looking at you. Right. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of that passage that we tend to skip over pretty quickly sometimes is that part about those commandments being on your heart. Mm-hmm. Because the, the first thing that a kid can sniff out of all ages is if you're just wanting compliance from them. Right. And that you're not trying to grab their heart. So how do we get that 50% back to mm-hmm. walk away? A lot of times they may walk away, but because you have their heart, they may come back. Right. And they realize that, you know, you always had their best interest in mind because it wasn't just a head issue, it was a yeah. heart issue. And you were trying to grab their heart. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the millennials and the Generation Zs, you know, what they want is authenticity. Yeah. Right? They don't yeah. want to just be thought of as we have to do what you say because you want us to do that. Right. right? We, they want to know that you care about them genuinely as a parent, as those other four adults. Whatever yeah. you know, whatever it is in their lives, I think that's how you get the other fifty percent back. Is because they're, they're, they may still walk away, mm-hmm. but they the chance that they're going to come back yeah. later is going to be because they realize that you had their heart right, mind, and not just the idea of be compliant. Because yeah, compliant. absolutely. And and it is like the authenticity detector. I believe is whether or not the things that I'm being fed knowledge wise match up with what. I feel like what my heart says. Um, and like the heart needs a little more training than the head, I think to make good decisions. Um, but you're right. Like if, if, if we're talking about things from a real standpoint and, and putting it in a heart point and we care about the person, not just the number, you know, the 50% that leave like, Oh no, I'm not going to have a job, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and we show them, like, this is, this is real. And that's what this is about, this stuff that we're talking about, the walking along the road. This is not like, let me teach you a thing that doesn't actually matter to me, you know? That, that, that thing I said about having at least one parent, that's not having at least one parent who brings their kid to church. Like, that, that doesn't if, – if, if there's just one parent bringing the kid to church or if there's five adults and all you're doing is bringing them to – or talking about in the set time this stuff but you're not living in a way that speaks the gospel um and let me let me clarify um living in a way that speaks of christ is not living perfectly is absolutely not living perfectly it's living honestly um and pointing back to christ through failures without feeling the need to brush them over and say god is going to make this better right brad and i were talking this week about sort of um, our cultural practice in Christianity of experiencing tragedy and immediately saying, well, God's going to make some good come out of it. And, and I think sometimes that, like for kids especially, when, they, when, when that like, that's the logical thing, right? They get the knowledge like good always comes out of bad things. But their hard experience is like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> My friend died and they're never going to come back, you know? And so I think like being willing to talk about the hard things without offering a solution that's immediate, but saying God is with us in the morning, you know, God is with us in this stuff or showing like, man, this affects me too, that you're experiencing this hard thing, you know? Um, I think I got kind of sidetracked in there, but 
dead. That I feels just, weird. I think I'm going to say kind of knit some things that a lot of people say together, but um, I agree that um, authenticity is key. I think that. Um, I mean, some people walk away from the faith because of free will. I mean, I believe in that. I don't. I don't believe in the proverb. I don't believe the proverbs is a promise. Mm-hmm. I believe it's wisdom, um, and I think that's a burden we place on each other. Power. So I think again, you know, saying that, you know, boy, look at this beautiful sunrise out here. It's just fine. I think that's great. But our, your kids, our kids are watching us to see if we believe and act out what we say. Mm-hmm. And we don't. Mm-hmm. We believe it, but we, we fall short and we sin. And I think you're, I think you're kind of next level Deuteronomy 6 when you sit down with your kids and say, I need you to forgive daddy. Um, what I spoke to your mommy today was wrong, and that's not what God wants for my life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I, I try to wake up every morning and do what Christ asked me to, and I, I fall short. And so I've asked him for forgiveness, and I've asked, when we, can, when we can turn the tables and be that vulnerable, I'm not saying, you know, if you do that every day, by the way, probably, you know, uh, they're, they're going to pick up on another thing. Which yeah. Like, You're just not getting better, you know. <laughs> um, so, so I, you know, it's, it's all those things. It is mentioning a verse, but it isn't always mentioning a verse. It's saying, I believe my faith, and... And I want to do better, and I also mess up. You know, a lot of times parents are telling kids all the time how they're falling short. Right. Their grades aren't good enough. They're not in their room. Mm-hmm. But when parents start to also say, yeah, I, my faith is so important to me that I need your forgiveness, um, I personally think that's, you know, when they'll start to say, oh, faith means that we try hard, and it's our most important thing. When we fall short, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angela, do you have one? Yeah, I just was going to say, I think as parents, we really buy into this lie that we have to have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I think that there's such a blessing to be able to be honest with our kids mm-hmm. about our faith walk. Like, I don't really know. This is a hard verse. I don't like this verse. But don't you see that that's okay? That there's yeah. questions even in our walk? Mm-hmm. And then they are free not to have it all together either. And I think I mean, even in our parenting, I mean, sometimes I tell Julia, honey, I'm sorry. You're the first kid I've ever parented. Like, I just don't know what I'm doing. You know? Like, yeah. just, like, there's some blessings in that, too. And that we can point them to a God who does have answers and is okay with us having questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, something that I like I've never parented any kids. <laughs> so something that I think just people in general forget is like that God is consistently in scripture God consistently chooses people who don't really stack up and don't measure up and don't have the qualifications and don't look right to do things and they always ask questions. <laughs> they always say, "Well, I don't think I can actually sir. I don't think you're actually asking me this." Gideon had like what three tests to figure out if God was actually talking to him. Um, and then by the third one, I was wondering, like, did he, did he think back to that first one and be like, oh shoot, this was God. <laughs> I should have just listened. <laughs> um, or, or, or is God okay with that kind of stuff? And God's okay with sort of the, the like figuring it out. Like it's, it's more like the journey than the thing. Um, and I do think like, um, it, it's gotta be really hard to be a parent 
and be in the situation where like you have to like discipline bad behavior because <laughs> I don't I don't usually have to do that. Like I I get to be the like full on like oh your your mistakes don't define you a lot of times. Um and so like I think that's, you know, that's that's got to be a hard balance to find. Like how do you like bring the discipline but also not build in this like mindset of what matters about you is how many times you mess up. So, um, yeah, let's move on to the next verse, which is kind of the same verse. Um, I realized that this morning that it was kind of the same verse, but anyways, um, this is also the last, I think the last year in youth ministry, I, I quoted this verse every single time I taught. Um, and I, I think I probably will continue doing that. Um, it was either this one or the one that said they'll, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Um, so it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, and so kind of why I wanted to bring that one in. Um, first of all, it's great, but also... When it says, uh, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, it's at the beginning of Deuteronomy, and it's followed by a lot of commandments. Um, and, and I think that was, the, that was the goal back in the day. Like, we need, you know, we need to communicate these laws verbally to our children. And the laws were based in, like, godliness and wisdom and good things. Um, but so, like, just to get, give some clarity, I think um, the, the simple thing... I have gum in my mouth. I forgot. The simple thing. Um, <laughs> the simple thing I was talking about earlier about making things more simple. Um, the simple answer. The simple way to communicate things. Um, like the the not knowing is is a good thing um, because really what it says is love God and love your neighbor. The rest of it like is underneath that umbrella. So if you're doing those two things, you are fulfilling the rest of the commandments, right? Um, and so I think when we're talking, like when we're talking with kids and we're talking with teenagers about faith and we, instead of, um, instead of feeling the need to every time we're having a spiritual moment or a, a moment that reflects our faith, um, which is more what we're talking about than like bringing them to Bible class because they don't really pay attention during Bible class anyways. <laughs> um, sometimes they do. Sorry, David. David Criswell's teaching for me. Thank you, David. Um, not for me, kind of. I'm also teaching. Somebody tell me what I was talking about before that. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's right. So we're not talking about like classroom teaching again. Um, but I think the simpler the better, um, especially with, with teenagers. I think like differing opinions because they have them with you, um, generationally speaking, um, are, are okay. Um, but I think learning how to how to do the love your neighbor thing um is going to be super important um for anyone so yes i've got to speak up here uh this verse i love it and yet i hear it quoted in the wrong context because sometimes sometimes it's read in such a way love the lord your god um by loving your neighbor as yourself. That is not 
it. And our kids can get, it seems to me our culture can get so caught up in that, thinking that by, by loving others, by taking care of, by you know, giving money to this individual here, and by uh, giving a blanket to this person, that that fulfills the law. No! Boy, and I, I can guarantee you that the hardest part of this verse for me is that first part, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That is not easy. Don't ever let anybody tell you that's easy. And that you can just skip that and go on to the second part, but that's just as important. Don't go there. Challenge yourself with not perfecting, but polishing, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because remember, the one over in Deuteronomy doesn't even mention, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm not putting that down. I, it's like three verses later. but Yeah. Yeah, three verses later. It's A second is like this. Mm-hmm. Not, I, actually, I actually think I disagree with you on that. Um, no, and I think okay, that... Please. Um, I think that you can't love God without loving the people around you. Um, I think the way that we love God is not just a mental thing. Um, James later on goes on and says, faith without works is dead. And what he's talking about is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That needs to be the priority. 100% agree with you there. But I think if we try to communicate to kids like, love God, they're going to be like, well, I haven't ever seen him. How do I love him? You know, um, And so I think giving them the ways that we do that and what we see in Jesus later on, actually previously, this is in 22, previously in his, in his ministry is that the way that he loved people and the way that he loved God was totally intertwined. You know, he was, he was fully in communion with God and loved God fully with all of his things. But the way he did that was by when he was doing things, he loved people enough to stop what he was doing. Like, that's what his ministry was. Like, I'm doing this thing, but I'm going to stop and do this thing. So I think it's both. But I think you're right. Like, it's not maybe love your neighbor as yourself is maybe not <laughs> affirm everything your neighbor's doing or make your neighbor feel good all the time. And I think you're kind of getting at, like, that we should not make people think that the way they love others is more important than the way they love God, but that the way they love others is part of how they love God because God calls us to be his people and to, and to do what he does. Right. And Jesus loved people. So, yeah. A couple of things that, you know, that <clears throat> it requires being available, you know, to, to be able to respond in the moment. You know, to me, I think it's, with parenting, that's a really important thing to be able to convey to our kids, to be able to impress on them, to be able to teach them about loving others, is being able to be available when they are open. You know, that last five minute part of the drive home, you know, or whatever. You know, being able to be present and available in that. The second, the other thing is, um, kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about, Daniel, not mixing up love and tolerance. Mm-hmm. Love, you know, thinking of love as what is what does God desire for that person? What is the best in, in, in the perspective of God for that person? And Jesus, you know, the way he loved people wasn't always how we define in the U.S. Mm-hmm. in 2019 love. 
you know, and so it's very different. But but as a parent, you know, constantly asking, how am I loving other people? How are my kids loving other people? How am I loving my kids? You know, how, what is love in this situation? And going into, you know, a, a, a situation, am I preparing my kids ahead of time to be love, to show love in that circumstance? Am I teaching them to be respectful of other people, to be respectful of, you know, the, the, the circumstance or the situation so that God is honored by not only our actions, but our kids' actions, because they've been trained and disciplined and taught and prepared and equipped. Um, mm -hmm. To me, that's a big part of teaching and conveying love, you know, um, kindness, respect. And yeah. I'll go back to what Chuck was talking about because in my experience that's exactly what, what I saw growing up was that um, ignoring the first part of loving God with all your heart and just saying that loving neighbors and taking care of people and being mm -hmm. generous was sufficient but it goes back to what we were talking about with sensing what's on the heart Yeah. and it's kind of like that uncanny valley right in photorealistic movies <clears throat> when you watch the Polar Express you're like eh, something's not quite right here. Yeah. or and, and when parents are saying that because of their generosity to other people that they're loving God, well, as a kid you can kind of sense that something's not quite true there. Mm -hmm. like, that they're trying to, they don't know how to love God, so they're not putting forth effort there. They're right. just focusing on, on giving money or the simple things to love their neighbor or having their neighbor over for a barbecue. So I think as a parent that's definitely the hardest thing is to actually spend time not on what your kids see but what they sense yeah and they're going to sense when those two things are out of whack really fast yeah you think you've done a perfect job um, presenting yourself as as fulfilling all these things but if you're not spending time loving god and then just trying to figure out how it looks to your kids then mm -hmm. i think you're both far short right right yeah yeah and so so yeah, I, I get what you guys are saying better now. Um, yeah, I think what I was trying to point out is like that God is like says like you can't love me without loving your you know if you if you say you love me but you hate your brother that thing. But yeah, right. There's we talk about people a lot as oh how could something bad happen to them? They're such a good person. Right. Well, there's there's more yeah. to it than what you see. Right. right. It's not yeah. But just to wrap that up. I, I've always said this is a little bit counterintuitive. I think Jesus answered the question perfectly. What is the greatest commandment? And he was always great at saying, you know what, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. But here's the answer. Those answers are not inseparable to your point about faith and works. Mm -hmm. If you if you try to do one of you can't do the first one without doing the second one. If you do the second one without doing the first one, you're not doing the first one. Right. And so I've always said he answered the question, there's there's one command. Mm -hmm. He said, this is the first and that's the second. I get that. You can't pull them apart. Right. They're inseparable. Faith and works, this and that. So I think he did, it's a weird, it's kind of a weird metaphysical thing, but he gave him one answer. Yeah. I get, I'm giving you one answer. Even though you asked him for one command, it sounds like I'm giving you two, but they're one. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that that's the tug of war, is that kind of like splitting into one part one and part two. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of um, 
human history and maybe a lot of church and Christian history has been like, we're just going to do this one. <laughs> um, and then we get kind of lost and then, or we're just going to do this one and we're going to like totally ignore this other one, you know? Um, like there was a long time in history where the church was, um, like it looked like the church was loving God, but they were oppressing people, you know? Um, and so you, like those two things can't mix, right? You can't have, um, yeah. If you develop a really solid love for God, but haven't also developed the ability to love people, even when they're terrible, um, I think we're, we miss the point. So Sometimes our modern yeah. biblical translations do us a disservice when they take words out to make mm-hmm. it more understandable because it literally says, is like to it. And they left that right. word to out. Right. Which gives that idea in the Greek of they're connected. They're not, yeah. as was said back here, it's not two thoughts, it's one thought. Mm-hmm. Right. Literally one thought. Yeah, and that's that's what I've I've seen in, in even in even in different translations where it says um, I've heard the second is the same um, and things like that. So um, yeah. And there's a there's a whole there's like a book this thick I have that's just on these two verses. Oh you probably have it too, Dane. Soren Kierkegaard, Works of Love. I I'm I'm not even close to all the way through it, but it's great. But sometimes he gets a little bit too specific on things. So, yeah. Um, I have two kind of like fine. Wait, where'd they go? Oh, yeah. This one has like eight builds. There it is. Because I put too many spaces. Like when you hit enter, that counts as a build. I don't know. I shouldn't explain how, how PowerPoint works. So, is parenting simple? This is a question for you to answer for me. No. Okay. I would generally agree. Um, can faith be? Right. So I, I think faith can and should be simple. I think if Jesus communicated his faith in simple ways, we should find ways to communicate our faith in simple ways. Um, and I think if Jesus says things like this whole book of Deuteronomy or this whole chunk of Torah and the prophets all hangs on two sentences, like let me summarize it this way, then we should also do that. And I think like I would never say to anybody that you should try to make your parenting more simple, but I would say that I would encourage you to distill your faith further so that you know what you have to communicate. If you as a parent don't know what you're talking about, first of all, be honest about that with your kids. But then dig into it and understand, like, why, like, why is it so hard for me to communicate what I believe? And I think for me, it's always been, like, when it's hard for me to communicate my faith, it's because I've lost a, gra- a grasp on what it is. Or, or I've muddied the waters with other things. Um, and so I think, like, making, allowing your faith to be simple. I think sometimes we get into a, into a, place where we feel like we have to like validate our faith by making it more complicated. (laughs) Um, or we feel like, Oh, I, this, this can't be enough. Like I surely this isn't right. Um, wrestle with that and figure out like, what does God actually want from me? Like what, what is the story of scripture? Is it like that I have to be able to communicate all of these rules 
verbally to my kids, is that what my faith is? Um, or is it something else? You know, is, is my faith, and I, and I think it is simple. So it's funny how I talked about how f- simple faith can be in such an indirect and not simple way. But, <laughs> um, but this is, you know, I think you can sum up a lot of faith in like five minutes, maybe less. So when your kids ask you serious questions, like maybe go back to that last slide and be like, I don't really know the answer. How can I figure out under this umbrella what maybe God wants from us? That kind of thing. Tamara? Um, I totally appreciate what you're saying. Maybe you almost also to make sure that's not stay so surface and make things seem so simple that you take away from it being a depth something that you can reach for your whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and when I say when I say simple, I don't mean not deep. I think some of the deepest things that we experience as humans are very simple things, and so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying like talk to your teens like they're dumb, right? Like like that they can't take the deep Right. Yeah. Sometimes they are very dumb. <laughs> but more like more like like find the distilled very deep things and feed those to your kids. <laughs> Yeah. And it is going to start off simple. But mm-hmm. then hopefully it's you're consistently building upon a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Like Brad was talking about the game and pressing it's deliberate actions, right? You know what you're aiming for, and it's something way more than just being financially successful when they move out of the house. Right. Like that's kind of a surface want for your kids or wanting them to be happy. Like that's why that? Like dig deeper. And yeah. You can understand, and I haven't figured that out yet. For the time I have my boys, what, as a parent, do I is the core foundation? Um, I don't think I have, I've simplified it enough to actually communicate it in the elevator pitch. Right. Um, and I see that at work, too, where we haven't figured out what our foundation is, mm-hmm. so it's just chaos, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's just doing stuff. And if you're not careful and you don't find your vision of your company, but also your vision of parenting, you're just going to get caught up in doing constantly. And you're going to always be doing easy things or um, counterintuitive things. Mm-hmm. Never be able to step back and ask, why am I making this choice for right. parenting right now? Yeah. Uh, Einstein's theory of relativity is expressed E equals MC squared. On yeah. a chalkboard, it's five characters. Yeah. It's expressed simply, and people have been digging deep into that ever since. Mm-hmm. What it means. Universe, um, and so 
what I think, what what I hear you saying is that, like, you can speak in everyday common vocabulary in your language and lose words like sanctification and, you know, trinity and all that stuff and still be expressing your faith simply. Yeah. And, and I, in fact, I think, I, I think the deeper things are, the more simple, the more hard they are to grasp. You know, and, you know, the digging deep into the simple concept, like, you know, what's been said, is a lifetime exploration. But what it means to you and how you live it and the language we use for that, I think, can be made graspable without being under or insulting or even not accurate. Yeah. You know, um, you know, what Jesus did for us can be summarized very simply. Yeah. And then you can spend a whole lifetime figuring out what to do with it. Do you right. Know what I mean? Exactly. So. Yeah. I sorry, it's really hard for me to tell my mom that she's not allowed to say something, but I'm going to wrap up and I'll just summarize kind of like that point with this. Um, I think the Pharisees were known for taking this beautiful law that God gave and making it something that prevented people from knowing God. And I think that's something that we as Christians sometimes do too, because we have people ask us questions like, you know, like, what do I have to do to be a Christian? Or like, what is following Jesus like? And we're like, oh, I think I have to know all of this. So I'm just going to start saying stuff instead of the reality of it being very, very simple with a lot of depth to it. There's, there's, um, just, there's just not a ton of stuff that we have to do or accomplish in order to be considered righteous by God. Um, and so, like, I think, I'll just wrap it up with this analogy relating to one of my favorite things. Um, espresso is so much better than coffee, but they have the same exact stuff in it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, you're an American, so you think that. Um, so anyways, but espresso, like, was what Italians made as coffee. And we had the Americans who came over in World War II and they ordered, a, they, they ordered their coffee and they're like, this is gross. I can't, I don't like this. And so they said, can you put more water in it? And so we, we invented the Americano, which is espresso watered down, um, which is both things. Like what you were saying, like making it, like dumbing it down and also putting a bunch of extra stuff in it. Um, if you go over to Japan on the menu, you see... Americano written out in Japanese and next to it in English it says weak coffee <laughs> right <laughs> so the power the power of the gospel is is very potent um, and it should and, and can be but I think a lot of times we fill it with a lot of extra water that makes it it's still all the same stuff but it makes it a little bit less potent right it makes it maybe sometimes even more palatable um, like Dane who can't handle espresso <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> but that's that's the that's the idea here is like there's this there's this really strong powerful thing, and I think sometimes we fill it with extra stuff because we're not sure what to do with it, but we can I just think package it and hand it, you know, um, to the people who need it. So um, I feel like there there could be a lot more discussion on that, but we only have four minutes and I'm doing the welcome. So uh, thank you all for coming. <laughs> Next week we're gonna have some old people talk. <laughs> it's okay, it's my parents. They'll talk to you. <laughs>